0: The Greensuiters Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to support our show, get early access to each episode, get your question right on there, and you want to listen to each episode ad-free, then head over to www.patreon.com forward slash Greensuiters Podcast to find out how. Before getting into this episode, we'd like to thank Nicole Bent for joining our growing podcast community. If you don't have any bucks to toss our way, it would mean the world to us to have some feedback on how this podcast is doing. You can leave us a review wherever you listen to this episode. Now, on to the show. Yay. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. It's Here we a Patreon are
1: Patreon episode.
0: That's right,
1: patron. Patron.
0: It's, it's a uh, patron-sponsored episode. So too, bad not like, our... too bad none of us
1: like. Too bad none of us like the patron who gave us the question this week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so every um, four episodes, we do a patron-sponsored episode where one of our top-tier patrons picks a topic. Question, concern, complaint, which drives the t- the overall topic of the show. We don't do uh, any of our typical segments. We don't do get bent. We don't do IG account recommendations. We just take uh, the patron recommended topic and we jump straight into it. And so this week, our patron uh, sponsored episode is from Mike uh, Ladan, Lydon, Leiden. What do you guys say? Leiden.
1: Yeah, Leiden.
0: Leiden. Yeah. So Mike Leiden. And he sent us a couple a couple topics that we could have picked from, and so after talking about, it, we kind of boiled it down to um, what are the mistakes that we that each of us typically have during our projects, and how do we solve those mistakes? So uh, I, I'm pretty sure that all three of us are going to come at this from completely different angles, um, and so I wanted to kick it out to Jason first.
1: Oh you know, come on, I should. Let me go last. Well, yeah. You can't do this. You, no, no, please. There's a reason why I want to go last because the things I'm going to say are definitely things that I don't think you're going to say. No, but it it makes more sense to talk about it at the end.
2: Okay. Okay. So, go you, ahead, Ben.
1: Thank you. Okay, you guys. Yep. Sorry, sucker.
0: Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the spot here.
1: I mean it should be easy for you since you make so many mistakes.
0: Oh, 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 okay. Here's Heyo. here's one that that I typically do. Uh all of my designs I I draw them up in in CAD first. I draw them up in SketchUp just to get the general layout of um how much materials I need and stuff like that and sometimes I I stick too close to what the what my CAD design says I need to do versus like how things actually are because there's always going to be variations in thickness in the materials that you use, especially if you're not milling your own. Because I I tend to do a lot of sheet goods with my projects and, you know, you can get a sheet good. You can get two sheets from the same stack and one will be 18 mil. The other one will be 18.75 mil. And that may not sound like a lot, but when you're doing partitions, like on my benches, when you have dividers, you know, that those deviations in thickness adds up the more that you use it. And so like with my sis bench, um instead of me checking as I went, I just cut everything to the dimensions that I had cut out. And obviously that only has an impact when the thickness of the materials impacts your overall design measurements. There are some times where the length and width of your cuts doesn't, it, it will have no effect because you can control that. But when it comes to the thickness, materials that's when that's when I kind of uh, get get kind of in a bind I guess with the mistake so what I try to do whenever I, I notice it and I typically don't notice it until I'm doing a dry fit um, you know sometimes there has to be a design change and so how I I would say that I, I fix it on the spot you know I may have to cut a piece short or you know I mean that's typically the, the, the quickest way that I can do it having to go back trim trim a little bit off with the, tr- with the track saw or the, or the hand planer. But what I do now going forward is I'll, I'll have a general idea of, of how much material I need through CAD and then once I get the materials in my shop I do an average thickness measurement all the way around it like especially on a piece of plywood. Average out what the, whatever the thickness is and then I go back into SketchUp or CAD, and I, I adjust my, my dimensions to, to match the thickness of that material. And doing that tends, tends to prevent it from happening again in the future. So, you know, not diving straight in until I, I get the full dimensions of the lumber or the, the materials that I have. Making those small adjustments in, in, in the design software and then going forward from that, so that's that's probably been one of the mistakes that I've had recently, um, and how I kind of correct it.
1: That's so, good. Yeah, kind of goes in line with with one of the things I was just writing some stuff down as you were talking. I like I like this topic because as you think, like it makes me think of things immediately. Yeah, yeah. and like yeah, what you were just talking down. about, yeah, struck a struck a chord with me. Mm-hmm. Um, said, I can, I guess. I, I want to save the one thing I have till the end, but I guess I can kind of caveat caveat okay. off of that if, if yep. you're not ready. No, go absolutely. for it. So with what he was talking about, that I kind of feel like I have the same issue or I've had the same issue, and it goes along with well, finding out that things are cut too short too late. Hmm. Um, hmm. And he was talking about, like, I build stuff in CAD. I'm a very on-the-fly kind of guy because I, I haven't taken the time to – to learn SketchUp or Fusion, good enough to where I can rely on it. Um, I've never really been a big advocate for plans after my first couple projects, just because, you know, I, I'd cut everything thinking, "Oh, I need to cut everything out the plans." And then I just go assemble. It. It's easy, right? Well, no, that's never the case. Everything changes. Uh, there's variations in the wood. There's uh, maybe one of your your machines isn't set up perfectly. Whatever the case is, so I I have had the habit. A long time ago, not not as much these days because I've learned from it. But you know, test things as I go. So I don't want to find out once it's too late. And so for me, what I what I have a tendency to do is really two things. Uh, the first one is I will leave everything long. I always cut over... I don't care about a little bit of waste. I I just don't care about it because to me, it's a lot more waste if I cut something a quarter inch too short and then I have to mill up a whole nother piece. Now I have this other piece. Yeah, could I use it for something else later on? Sure. Um, But I'm not one of those people. I will cut a half inch or an inch or two inches off and just be totally fine with that. I'd much rather have more than not enough to correct those mistakes if and when I make them. But I just test as I go. I always cut test pieces. So if I... Like the bed... Uh, that I'm working on right now, the slats. Like, I, I, I never, I didn't cut the slats until I got, I did a dry fit with the exterior portion of the frame because I needed to make sure that the slats were cut exactly the right size after I dominoed the pieces in, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, length so is
0: more important than girth for you.
1: Correct, 100%. Yep. Okay. Can be really skinny, like a little rocket, <laughs> as long as it's.
2: And you were giving me crap about your cat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Ben, come on. Come on, Ben. Be professional. I can't believe Um, you dropped that. A little rocket. But with with that, um, something else that I do, and this is another mistake that I made, always mill extra pieces. Always mill more than what you need every single time because when you have that scenario where I milled all of my wood and I'm ready to go and now I cut this one piece too short... And guess what? I don't have another piece of wood there. Uh, now I've got to go through the milling process again, and that's when it gets really frustrating. And then, oh by the way, hopefully oh. you get it dialed in exactly the same. So um, yeah. just uh, mill additional lumber for when you do make those mistakes. So I just I wanted to jump in there because what you said I, th- I thought was really good, and, and it kind of gave me some ideas. So sedge.
2: OK, so I'm glad you said that because I always mill extra wood because mistakes are inevitable. Now, it all depends on how you design. I don't use SketchUp. I, I haven't used a drafting board in years. I haven't used, I used to use KCDW or KCD uh, Designware uh, for kitchen cabinetry and stuff like that. And I went off of those plans or the cut lists, okay? They, they dialed it all in for me, mm-hmm. okay? But, we would always mill extra, like a couple extra panels here and there, because when I have always taught people about woodworking, the the hardest part of woodworking is prepping your materials properly. Mm-hmm. Okay, and making sure you have enough. And I mean, Ben, you said it uh, because of your CAD programs, you want to make sure you have enough wood. Jason, you just said it. Have extra pieces ready because that's the tough part. And I'll tell you what, you want to talk about frustrating is when you have to go back and remill wood because that's the pain in the royal rump is getting all your materials ready, okay? So the one thing I've learned is because now I'm just building for Marianne in my home now, okay, is I draw it out. I just draw it out on some uh, graph paper. But one thing I have learned to do, and I love doing this, say I'm designing a small table or the mudroom, I get cardboard, and I do full mock-ups. So, oh, wow. A, I get a great proportion in my head, mm-hmm. and if it looks right, I go, okay, I get the height right, the width right, the depth right, okay? And when I do that, it's just – and I learned this from uh, – uh, ship's carpenters—they used to mock everything up with door skins, uh, and uh, it was really cool the way they templated everything. But I, it's just using uh, a hot glue and folding the cardboard, cutting it, curving it, and sometimes even bending it to get the design right in your head. Because, and here's the other thing: I don't rush it. I don't rush the design on anything. I give things weeks of thought i'm in no rush anymore mm-hmm. and i and i look at a piece like i'll have that cardboard mock-up jason you know my mudroom
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah i had that completely made out of cardboard you know why uh,
1: cabinets it, and everything it,
2: it, all of it i had oh, wow. it all all mocked up in cardboard marianne's reading room was all mocked up because guess what i knew it when she walked into those two rooms she could have a change Okay, mm-hmm. and then when uh, I look yeah. at that. Did you bill
1: her for the change order?
2: No, come on, come on. But, but what was cool about it, she was like, oh, no, no, I like that, but could we do this? And then I, come on, what's that cost? Absolutely nothing to get that cardboard. It's a razor knife and some hot glue. And it, it was a lot of fun doing that. And you know what I think uh, when we finally Wait, so, do that. So would
0: you, would you f- like three-dimensionally frame it out? or Absolutely. Just like a flat-
2: oh, no, three-dimensional. Wow. Three dimensional now. When we I do the you know the bay window build, I keep talking about. Marion wants me to do. Yeah. I'm going to loft. <laughs> I'm going to loft that. I'm going to rip uh, inch and a half, some door skin or quarter inch or eighth inch uh, material, and hot glue it so I get a perfect template. I'll bring it out here, and that's one of the reasons I have this thin MDF on here. I'll draw it out and loft it up, and and I'll make. I'll probably scale it with cardboard so I get the proper dimensions. It sounds like a lot of extra work, but in the long run, it isn't. Yeah, it,
0: it saves you. It's it's oh. front-end work, so you don't have to do anything on the back end.
2: And, you know, when it comes to mistakes, sometimes sometimes those mistakes, I'll tell everybody, and my dad taught me this, uh, you always learn from your mistakes as long as you learn. Yeah. And I think it's experience as you go through it to learn from your mistakes. You have to make mistakes, and you're gonna have to go back and correct them. Now, there's all kinds of ways of correcting things, and one of my mentors taught me, always make sure you have some epoxy. Back then it was Bondo, and you could fix anything, and he taught me how to uh, faux paint and grain wood um, with you know just typical artist colors. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I would walk in and I go, man, that desk is beautiful. And he says, yeah, but half of that top is Bondo. (laughs) You couldn't tell because he was that good. And there's also, if you have mistakes in finishing, those are tough to correct. (laughs) Okay, so you got to do a lot of, if it's a finishing mistake, I'll tell you right now, most mistakes in finishing is your lack of proper preparation of the surface. So never skip through your grits of sanding. And I never sand over 180 grit on raw wood.
1: It's ever. 80 to 180 directly, correct?
2: Yeah, I go, I go. my process is, depends on what I'm doing, but if it's plywood, okay, and I'm getting ready to the max, I'm going 120, 150, maybe 180, but that's it. And then I'm spraying or laying down my finish you, because you lose absorption and claw of your finish if you don't do that i think we talked about that already in one of the podcasts but
1: a little bit i like to start with 40 and then just jump to 180
0: yeah that's good man
1: yeah i just like
0: to sand for hours you know yeah yeah i go from 80 to to 320
1: that's how i get that that's how i get the rustic look
2: that's a lot of questions i get is sanding questions and grit questions and well just like and that's a that's a have we covered that yet
1: no, Same I think thing. we get no. We but could I, I want to ask a question about that because I, I think that's a common. At the other day. I think that's a common mistake that people make, um, and I know that you've seen this uh, in, at some point, you know, in your woodworking journey, there, Sedge, i uh, have probably experienced it yourself. But what if somebody gets into a project and they get a bunch of swirl marks, and they're all the way up at their last grit? Like, what are some things that you can do? I'm totally thinking of this because of what you just said. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're the, the right guy to answer this question. Mm-hmm. But if somebody got all the way to, let's just say, 180, mm-hmm. that was their, their final grit. And they, you know, they, they take a light, and they look at it, or they, maybe they put some mineral spirits on, and they realize they still have a bunch of swirl marks, or pigtails, or whatever you want to call them. How would you go about fixing that oh, so Tur- you turn, you're turn your
2: the em- light off? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, walk away. So, so let's just say they stopped at 180. You know what I would do? I drop down to 120. Okay. Mm-hmm. But here's the reason a lot of people get swirl marks is they don't wipe off their um, surface in between grits. Okay. Because if you sand with 120 and then you throw on a uh, a piece of uh, 150. Okay, and you don't wipe grits. You say, "Oh yeah, yeah, okay, you just jump to the 150." There's some 120 grit that's on there and it's going to grind into that wood or surface yeah. whatever you're sanding. Yeah. And then you got to wipe in between that grit. A lot of people don't do that. Yeah. Right. So I always say that. Now, the other thing, and I'll bring it around to Festool, you have too much suction on that dust extractor. Yeah. Turn the suction down. You're grinding too much. Let the sander float on there. And that's why there's variable suction on Festool's uh, um, dust extractors. Now, I'll tell you what. The other thing you got to do, too, is you got to really look at that surface with a good light, a raking light, Mm -hmm. uh, if you want it completely uh, swirl-free. So I'll always say drop down two grits and then sand back through the progression again.
1: I've got... And I'm wipe another, between grits. I, I like that. Uh, the wipe between grits, that's something that I didn't do for a long time. Uh, and now I try to make a habit to do it. Just real quick, too, with, you know, something that evaporates quickly. But um, uh, what was I going to ask? I don't, um, I
2: don't use anything like mineral spirits or anything. I just use a cotton rag.
1: Just, yeah, uh, an just old to wipe T-shirt. It off to, just
2: to wipe it off. Just to just brush to it off. Just to get off. the grit off. Yeah, and that's why, Jason, in my shop, I have all those, uh, you know, those uh, bench brushes. Mm -hmm. I brush it off and then wipe it with a cotton rag.
1: Yeah. Well, I I wanted to ask another question. Like, what do you guys think, thinking of the mistakes that you have made or make or mm -hmm. ones maybe that you make more often than others, uh, and, Ben, I'm going to throw this to you first, what do you think is the leading cause of the mistakes that you make in your shop? Uh, Distraction. Like what?
0: Like if I'm, uh, if I'm, a, if I feel rushed or if I'm like getting close to like a deadline, like today, this is a really good one. So I was, I was sanding the the frame that I made today for that whiteboard. And I, I think I was in between coats and I was setting it like, man, this is taking forever. And I just, I just picked up a pack of Abernett first time I'd ever used it man, this is kind of taking a long time. And so I look at the disc and there's no pad on it. (laughs) Just, Uh, just Velcro. That's it. uh, You know, but it's because why,
1: why do we have him on this podcast?
2: (laughs) By the way, that happens so much. It's ridiculous.
0: So it's, it's like you're, (laughs) it's you, you're, you're preoccupied. I guess that's a better way to say it. Your brain is preoccupied with other things that are not, Mm-hmm. with what you're doing in that particular moment. Like you're, you're thinking about a few steps ahead versus what you're doing right now. Or you're, you're you know, you, you just, you have this, this this inner like rush kind of feeling like you're just trying to get this knocked out and get that knocked out. And you're doing everything but focusing on the tasks that you should be doing. And for me in my uh, shop, like that's 99 out of 100 times, that's where my mistakes creep in because I'm not solely focused on what it is I'm doing. I'm I'm trying to think about something else while I'm doing what I'm doing. You nailed it, Ben. You nailed it.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) I I thought of that because this is one of those topics that like as things are getting discussed, it starts bringing up all these other things. Yeah. Yeah, because it makes you think about like, I've done that before. Oh, and that led to this. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm totally with you. It is it's the distraction or it's the feeling I need to get something done because yeah. I'm against a time crunch, which is funny because yeah. Sedge was talking about, this is what made me think about it. He's like, I don't need to rush for anything anymore. And, you know, lately I've, I've made it, you know, publicly known, like don't expect to see a lot of build videos for me anymore because it's just too stressful to, to one, try to get something done in a certain amount of time right now. But two, I always feel like I need to get this project done. And, yeah. I only get so much time in the shop. And with Leo's bed, I've actually stepped back because the majority of my mistakes definitely come from when I am rushing to get something done by a certain time because I feel like it has to be done. And yeah. I'll make some dumb mistake. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. I'm at this point where I'm just like, just take my time. If I, if I only get this part done today, then that's all I get done. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not for a customer.
0: You know, I think that it's it's probably more beneficial for, and I don't mean to, to dive off too much on a tangent about content, but I would think that it would, it would be more beneficial because I, I felt the same way about you, Jason, where it's like, okay, I got to get this, I got to get this. done. like, I'm not enjoying it at that point. Now I'm feeling pressured and stressed to do it. And that that is not the point or reason why I started doing this. I started doing this because I love the craft and I want to help people get better at, at doing it. Mm -hmm. And so when it starts to to feel like it's this job and you start to feel pressured and stressed and like, oh, I've got to do this and I got to do that, like, you know, you're just talking about how much more enjoyable it is for you to just build the bed versus trying to make content about it. And it made me think that it would probably be more beneficial for you to just focus on making the build and learning something from that and then making content about one specific thing that you learned from that project versus you showing them how to make a bed.
1: 100%. You know what I'm
0: saying? And I, I, I think that, that is just, you know, yeah, I, I think it's more beneficial for, the, for your audience and for you. Go ahead, Sedge.
2: I tell everybody, if you love woodworking, keep loving it. If it becomes stressful, shut off the lights, shut off your power, go inside, go do something else. relax. This is an amazing trade. A lot of people do it for a hobby. Um, It's just... I love woodworking. I always have, and anytime I've been overwhelmed, and my business partner in the cabinet shop, his name is Mike Zeisler. Mikey, I call him. Actually, I call him the Snag Fairy. uh, Weird. No, what was really cool was he... When we got stressed, I go, we're out of here. It might be 1 in the morning. And that's when mistakes happen. Yeah. You know, when we're finishing at that time sometimes, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And I go, Mikey, shut down now. Close the bay doors. Tomorrow's another day. Yeah. Okay. We loved woodworking. We would love building for people. And now, like I said earlier, I'm in no rush for anything. But sometimes you walk out in that shop and you do get overwhelmed. That's the best advice I can say. Like, Ben, that's why I said you nailed it. Yeah. Because it's always the rush, you get overwhelmed, and you get distracted. Walk away, go do something else. And you actually said this in your stories today, Ben. I was really happy you said this. You're you're working your tail off mm -hmm. right now to get all your uh, papers in and everything. you walked out in the shop to take a break
0: yeah and that's like it is i like i love doing that and it's i was that topic came up in my class this afternoon where you know our professor is saying like you know what do you guys do to release stress all this other stuff and i'm like i set a timer on my watch for 15 minutes and i come down and i I just do something creative or i clean you know something productive that's not sitting in front of a computer researching typing um all this other stuff but sometimes at fifteen minutes it turns into three or four hours. So it's it's a double edged sword,
2: right? And, and sometimes I do go do a chore in the house. Yeah, yeah. You know, just, and yeah. just just to something clear, to break that. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it sounds funny. I'll go fold a load of laundry. Yeah. You know, but it breaks that process, and I come back out, or I I go back and I cleared, do something that I need head. to focus on, and it just. It's really good, and that's, that's really sound advice for anybody out there. I think we're all on the same wavelength.
1: Yeah. So, that's a perfect segue to the thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, the cares. thing that I wanted to, to, to highlight, and that is the one thing that I've noticed, I mean, we're already talking about it. One thing I've noticed when I screw something up, initially I'm very mad. Uh, I'm angry. I'm doing everything I can to try to figure out how I can, you know, reverse it, reverse it, how I can make it work. Then I get angry. And then if I'm, I'm pull out you know, that,
0: pull out that board stretcher, you know?
1: Yeah. Then if I'm already like, you know, I feel like I'm up against the gun, you know, then it's, I start trying to do things real quick and, and ha, you know, honestly half ass things. Yeah. My biggest advice for anybody and, I, and I've learned this, uh, <laughs> quite a few times since being here, I've had to, I've had to do this. But when you make a a dumb, like nine times out of the 10, the mistakes that you make, they're stupid mistakes, dumb Mm. little oversights Mm -hmm. that, you know, you just, you can't even believe that you did that. I actually have a post on Instagram. I posted it a couple of times of like this. When I built the, uh, the dog feeder, for Mm. uh, pepper and bella that
0: was a good one i wrote an article based off of that reaction
1: and i and i just (laughs) totally screwed it up and it was like the dumbest thing like what was i thinking how did i screw that up like i'm so dumb i was so mad i was trying to figure out what i could do to fix it and i sat there for like 30 minutes and i'm just getting more angry when that happens Just like said, was just talking about the best thing that you can do. If you make a a mistake like that, that immediately irritates you and you're just like, I am so dumb. I can't, you have to leave the shop. Yeah. You have to leave the shop immediately. It's it's going to snowball. Oh yeah. It'll snowball. And then guess what happens? Then you make a bunch more mistakes and those other mistakes turn into more anger. Yeah. And then it starts to create this disgust and I have been there. And so for me now, when I make a mistake, uh, in most, in most instances now on the, again, on the content side, if I make a mistake, I try to talk about it on social yes. media immediately
0: yes. yes, and it's just kind you of know, it's, as a, as a relief valve almost
1: as a relief valve, but to, to show other people, because I, I think that's something that is, that is missed on social media is a lot of people don't share the mistakes they make, which oh, yeah. in my opinion, the best way to learn and that, you know this is a military thing and the drill sergeant thing. Like I wanted my guys to screw up. I wanted them to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one ever shares them. You know, everybody yeah. wants people to think that <laughs> every, everything is perfect. And look at this, this table that I built on camera and it's beautiful with all these angled shots that I took and the right lighting. And, you know, every project has mistakes on it, but no one ever shares that. You know what's funny is yeah. the, most, the most engagement I get is when I post about mistakes or when I leave yeah. mistakes in videos.
0: Yeah, it, it only strengthens the brand. Sedge. Yeah. Why do you think I do Fest Tool
2: live and it's always, I insist, live? Yeah. yeah. It's A. Authentic. I love doing it, but I think people might think I stage mistakes. I don't. And it's authentic You're because. Just, It's not pre-planned.
0: You're just a terrible woodworker.
2: I mean, I I I suck. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) but I want people to see that it's okay to make mistakes, and um, and everybody's human, and I just love it. I just I think I think there's so much that's covered up that people should see
1: people make mistakes. Yeah. You know, and not be afraid because yeah. you learn from them. People yeah. are afraid to talk about it because they don't want the ridicule and all the dumb trolls <laughs> and stupid comments. <laughs> I love it. The funny thing is though, it's I've my experience has been it has always been the complete opposite. Yeah. Like people want to know the mistakes because literally anytime I post a mistake on anything or talk about how I screwed something up, the amount of comments and messages that I receive about that mistake and how they are so thankful that I shared that it's unbelievable like it almost makes me just want to be in my shop all day and screw up uh. <laughs> just so i can keep talking about it with people like guys uh, i nailed my hand to my brush look at that you don't want to do this but guess what i'm not perfect oh my god i'm serious though it's so valuable
2: like i i think people are afraid to show they
0: make mistakes and that's what i've learned absolutely um well, I, I think people's ego gets in the way. You know. Yeah. yeah I think you're right.
1: Um, I'm on YouTube. I'm a professional woodworker. I don't make mistakes. Oh
0: god. Well they, they think that as it's silly as hurt, that
1: sounds, that's what some of them think. That it's, oh, uh, that it's you somehow be... gonna hurt
0: the brand, but um I, I think it's whenever it's it's the act of like trying to hide the mistake or cover it up, not not like in the work itself but from the viewer. You know, um it's, it's very disingenuous to, to do that. But I, I think that some people, again, they, they get that ego to where it's like, well, I'm this, this big person now, you know, I'm, you know, however many followers and people are always saying how oh, this is great and that's great. And so I think that, that sometimes that, that audience just in human nature can, can cause people to automatically think that like, oh, well, all these people think that I'm great. They think that I'm this. They think that I'm that. I have to because that's what they think. So they start to kind of cater their – and we're getting off tangent here. Not They're starting either. to cater their behavior to match what people think that they are, which is the wrong thing, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Yeah. So, so stakes are good. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. You know, you know who's really good um, at – Demonstra- showing the mistakes that they make all the time and really good at showing exactly how he went about fixing it Keith Johnson oh yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah. His every one of his videos I'm, like every single one that I've watched a lot of his videos too but just about every single one of them I've watched yeah he makes at least one mistake that he has to fix and he shows how he does it what the yep. mistake was every time and how he fixes it and it always turns out great I just I think that that's I think that's yeah, really cool. Like he that's ju- actually
2: a yeah, he just he just did that one where he goes. He didn't look. He he poured I think copper or epoxy, and he didn't like the look of it because it was too big, and he showed how to cut it out and he inlaid a knot.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. saw that. He's he's amazing.
2: He yeah. really is. He.
1: Uh, yeah. I feel like that's a that's like a staple of his videos. Yeah. And he's a very, very, very like uh, attention to detail oriented person. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, so you know if it, like it's got it's got to be perfect in his eyes. So I think that's probably why you see it a lot more. But I love the fact that he does that, and I also love the fact that he shows exactly what he did to fix it. And he does a really good job about the, uh, with yeah. that.
2: And his stories are great because he shows his process. Yeah. Yeah. and his cat he's, he's a great teacher he's a great teacher and his cats oh. and his cats jerry and lola
1: yep. well i don't know but i mean do you have anything else to add to that like i i mean i think I, I think that,
0: that good. oh yeah um i mean i don't i mean it was kind of hard to tell if mike wanted us to go technical with it which i don't think that he did you know i think it's really important to to again to, to step back when you do make those mistakes so that you don't blow a gasket, you kind of relieve that pressure or that, you know, Um, I think it's more important to understand uh, how the mistake happened versus, I mean, knowing how to correct it is obviously important too, but going back and saying, okay, why did this happen? Is it because of, uh, you know, my skill just wasn't, you know, as proficient as it needs to be or did I make a a misstep in -hmm. the process? Right. And, you know, what can I do going forward to to correct that? You know, maybe it's you you change how you process certain things or you have certain checks and balances uh, going forward. You know, like we've talked before a little bit when it comes to production work, how important and vital systems are and whether you're doing this as a professional or doing this as a hobbyist, you still need you still need systems because systems prevent mistakes from happening and you know again always always kind of take a step back from that mistake and say okay why did this happen Mm -hmm. because you could you know like said you were talking earlier about with sanding you know the that my first instinct was was suction power as to why you get swirl marks Mm -hmm. you know it it, you could have um debris between the the face of your sander and the Uh or the paper Uh transfer you could have something inside of there yeah so it's okay, do I need need to check the paper? I need to check my suction. You know, I need to check this, check that. It it could be a lot of things. So, again, just kind of pulling back and and really observing, like, okay, was that just being a knucklehead or do I just not really know what I'm doing? I'm kind of in over my head. And
2: I really think that could be a great episode uh, about, hey, what's your process of sanding? What are some of the hiccups you get in sanding? How have you – where do you start? I've had, over the years, so many questions about sanding and technique. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I thought everybody understood this.
1: I don't know. Yeah. And it's incredible. I just, it's... No, because people... I, I, I didn't have the experience when I first started. I think that that's probably coming from people earlier on. I mean, even... what What do most people do when... So that's, that's the mistake they're making. Well, it's probably caused because they went to the store and they bought a DeWalt, you know, five-inch random orbital sander and got some Diablo or Gator paper and threw it on there. And they don't even have a dust collection hooked up to it. And they're pushing really hard because they think that's the they Put some of that old do. Gator
0: paper on there and get yeah. it done, son. Uh, yeah.
1: So... And then, you know, as you start to see all these other people, you know, using these really nice sanders and dust extractors and realizing that you don't need to force it. Like, there's just so much common knowledge that we would think is common, but is, is not common to most people because yeah. they're just going off of what they see in a big box store as opposed I, to years of experience using different platforms. I
2: think that's a great episode.
1: In yeah, uh, I think sure. you're a great episode. <laughs>
2: I think Michael Lydon is a great guy cuz he's a Boston firefighter. So there. And this okay. was and, and you guys
0: have the same weird accent.
2: And no, no, you guys are just all flatlanders, that's all.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh you and you and McGregor said it best in Long Way Up, which is a, a motorcycle documentary. He said um in one of the one of the episodes they were just having a lot of problems back to back. And he was just, you know, some of the crew was getting really frustrated with it. And and he said that the interruptions are the journey. Like, you know, hmm. this this wouldn't be a very interesting craft if we all just did it perfectly every single time. It would be a very boring thing to watch. Like, if yeah, everybody you, always did totally everything true. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, th- th- when you make those mistakes, or whether it was intentional or unintentional, <laughs> like that's just a part of being a craftsman like Mm -hmm. you should kind of you know i wouldn't say welcome with open arms but that's that's just a part of becoming better at at doing what we're doing is by making the mistakes and learning from them and then sharing it for others to to not do the same thing and I, i can't remember which podcast this was in i don't know but they were talking about how some some trades people don't like to, I think it was you said on the shop talk, where it's like some tradespeople don't want to tell like trade secrets, oh, yeah. quote unquote, yeah, and like that when when people are not sharing how they're being successful, that stops the perpetuation of the craft. You know, it, it in order to keep this craft going, you have uh, to share these things.
2: Honor your craft. Yeah, honor it. And that is from a friend of mine. His name is Gary Katz. And he's a guy who is one of the best instructors I've ever met in my life. And if you don't follow him, follow Gary Katz. Because that guy is the real deal. He's just what a is wealth of knowledge. Is that your, no- recommend- what is a that your recommendation knowledge. tonight? No, no, no. I, just, <laughs> I, I tell everybody about him because he... He struggled so many years in L.A., uh, California, and no one was teaching him. And he's just – he's one of the greatest guys out there to teach. Yeah. You, you have to. You have to honor your craft. You have to pass it on. Mm-hmm. You know? I just yeah. – so it, it'll come back to you. It's karma, man. It'll come back to you 100%. a hundredfold, a hundredfold. 100%. So either
0: one, either one will come back to you. (laughs) Isn't it, isn't YouTube
2: great though? Because you can learn so much and it, it's kind of like they broke the code. Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, it it is great, but going off what you guys were just talking about, YouTube has a lot of those same problems that people don't share things. Yeah. Social media side of things, same exact conversation, you know, Mm -hmm. they're at the top of their craft and they don't want to share the secrets. Mm. Yeah. It's just silly. It is silly. It's
2: like, man, you reap so, dude. You,
0: if you buy this training program that I have coming
1: up, <laughs> yeah.
0: Whatever. Speaking for only of twelve hundred dollars, like, I'll, yeah. sh- I'll share my tips for the algorithm. Yeah.
1: Whatever. Hey, people got to uh, make money. Are we gonna do on this one? Yeah. Are gonna do some recommendations? And then call it a night. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Can I go first? I am. Yes.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, so, so now you
1: want to go first? There's no... Well, I'm repaying the fact that you let me go last. Um, Jason,
0: always, Jason always goes first.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, this is somebody that I learned about from uh, Sedge. Shoot. And that would be Banks Carpentry. Yeah. I, I learned about this guy, I Gary meet Banks. Him. Um, he's in the UK, correct?
2: Yes, sir. Yeah.
1: He's the he, real deal. I love I I am drawn more to I, I like the cabinet side of things. I just do. I like cabinet construction. I like that the science behind cabinets I I just like it. it mm-hmm. It's enjoyable for me. Um and He's this guy does it better than most people. <laughs> yeah. So Banks Carpentry B A N K S Carpentry. Um just go give him a follow. I mean, he doesn't have a, a super small account or a, a uh you know he doesn't have a super small account. He's got a, a really nice following. He should have way more, though, <laughs> because he, he does some amazing cabinetry projects and he's a huge festival guy. Huge festival guy. Um, which is really cool. He's got like the ultimate wall.
2: And he's taking delivery of a Martin sliding. So, yeah, did saw you that. see that? Mm-hmm. Have you ever cut with a Martin
1: before? No.
2: Woo, doggy, he's got the whole digital. Oh my God, it's amazing! Yeah, it's an amazing machine.
1: Yeah, the Martin T-65. Yeah, he's Ooh, doggy. really, really, really amazing stuff. And it's it's just really impressive how how nice of a job he does with cabinetry, built-ins. It's just incredible. So that's my recommendation. Ben? Awesome,
0: Sedge. No, I'm, I'm still trying to
2: find one. Okay, so <clears throat> I've had this one queued up for a few weeks, and it's I think it's appropriate because you like – Cabinet guys, Jace. Okay, this guy's out of Chicago. I met him at Festool Connect the last time we had it in Lebanon, and uh, he came up to me and he goes, "Can I get a selfie with you?" And I just went, "Okay, I guess." His name is David Hulthen. He owns David David Hulthen Company. He's a designer builder. And you want to talk about some gorgeous work. He's uh, on Instagram. He's at David, D-A-V-I-D, H-U-L-T-H-E-N-C-O, healthandwoodworks.com. And this guy is an unbelievable designer builder. Wow. Look at his kitchens. Look at his baths. Look at everything he designs. And I just talked to him at... um, AWFS this summer. Just a great individual. Great guy. So I tell every... I I don't think he's got that big a following. I'm not sure. But he's just... I always say this. He's the real deal. And I enjoy...
1: he He does amazing work.
2: Unbelievable. Yeah. Great... Oh, great website, too. Yeah. So... That's my that's my follow for the week, Ben. You're up.
0: This week, it's uh, Ben Butler from Benjamin Butler Company. Um, um he he's uh, just a wealth of knowledge, and you know, sorry, my cat's going off. Um, but I I knew Ben from my old uh, account, Valerie Designs, and uh. Just he's always sharing tips on on how to just you know basic things uh, that really help out the community. Um, and he's just he's just kind of perpetually like pumping out content. You know, somebody that just the guy hustles when it comes to sharing content and woodworking and stuff like that. And there have been many times where I posted it in a story like just having difficulty with something, and like he was one of the first ones to kind of comment back and say, "Oh, you got to do this, this, and this," and So just somebody that's always helping me out. So Benjamin Butler Company.
1: Yeah, I used to see a lot of his posts. I haven't seen as many lately. It seems like he is uh, taking a little bit of a hiatus. But uh, him and I have talked many, many times. His good stuff. Yeah, but
0: But... he's definitely got a lot of helpful stuff on this page.
1: Another kitty cat.
2: How many kitty cats do you got? Uh, 17. Wow. Hey Ben, when you listen to uh, the recordings, my neighbor's German shepherd is out there because <laughs> it's a little late and I hopefully it isn't coming through on my recording because that dog can back.
1: I haven't heard. Oh, it I at at all. I you haven't hear it, yeah Okay.
2: <laughs> hopefully my mic doesn't pick it up.
1: Well, well, boys. Wow, what episode was this? 14. Fourteen. Wow,
0: we're knocking them out.
1: Halfway to a hundred.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was that was another fun one, man. I like hanging with you
1: guys, and hopefully,
2: everybody likes hanging with us too. Yeah, absolutely. The,
1: ne- the next ones, page, uh, audience questions. I can't wait. Oh, I for like sure. these episodes the most.
0: Yeah, yeah. me too um well before we close it out I just want to sit, again thank mike for um for submitting a topic for the show and also thank you for being one of our top patrons um again this is something we do every every four episodes we uh, reach out to one of our our top tier patrons they submit any it could be anything that they want to talk about if they wanted to talk about grass growing we can just sit here and just talk about grass growing
2: man i used to grow a lot of grass in maine <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: not that kind oh, of grass oh, edge did not that come that out? I'm sorry not that kind of grass <laughs> no, thanks Mikey uh, so much for submitting the topic next week will be the community questions and again we're going to be going to our patrons to submit questions to help drive the show and also all of our uh, social media followers will be asked in the general public as well uh, and I want to say that by the time this comes out it'll be the next week will be the um, the patron call, with the three of us and all of our patrons. So if you want to come sit in on that, Beers with the De- Boys. December Beers 17th. with the Boys. December 17th at 8 p.m. Uh, it will be uh, a Zoom call sent out. So we look really forward to, to seeing everybody there, and, and we hope to see you there as well. We didn't even do this in the last episode. I totally forgot about it. Jason. Where can everybody find you?
1: Vincewoodworking.com.
0: Sedge, where can we find you? SedgeTool.com. SedgeTool
2: sedgetool on YouTube. Uh, SedgeTool on Twitter. Facebook. TikTok.
0: MySpace. OnlyFans.
2: Hey, now, Tinder. Tinder, (laughs) Bumble. (laughs) Okay, and also, also, I'll give a shout out to Festool Live, Festool Shop Talk. And at FestoolSedge on IG.
0: And you can find me, Ben Marshall Designs, on YouTube and Instagram and MarshallDesignWorks.com.
2: And I want to say one more thing, guys, not to prolong it. Is just, (laughs) hey, everybody, thank you for listening to Green Suiters Podcast. Absolutely. If you like it, please give us a review. Please rate us. We really really appreciate it. It helps keep us going.
1: Yep. Yeah,
0: especially if you're if you're listening to this on on our free feeds, um, we understand that not everybody has the the coin to toss our way, and if you can't, then please just leave a review. It's free; it doesn't cost you anything, and it helps us out. So,
1: but become a patron, so I don't have to sell my private jet. Thank you.
2: <laughs> oh my God, I'm still trying to get a pick a maca. <laughs>
0: All right, thanks guys. Thanks we'll everybody. You Thank you. Hey, this is Ben, co-host and editor of the Green Greensuiters Podcast. This episode is over, but if you want to hear more topics like this and you want to be a part of our conversation, head over to patreon.com forward slash Podcast for early access to each show. If you're listening to this on free feeds, be sure to leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.